Hello and welcome to Econ Today Unplugged on Tuesday, the 21st of January 2020. Mark Pender is across the pond stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. So for history lovers, it's 12 years to the day since the Black Monday of 2008 when stock markets around the world plummeted on the back of worries about what turned out to be the global financial crisis. Not so now, of course, with many benchmark indices at or close to all-time peaks and investor sentiment underpinned by record low interest rates and, as of last week, buoyed by, by, buoyed by the latest signing of the phase one of the US-China trade deal. But just yesterday, the IMF trimmed its world growth forecast by a tick to 3.3% this year and by two ticks to 3.4% in 2021. It also noted that the balance of risk of a global outlook remains on the downside, albeit less marked than in December. Um, also of note, um, there was a, a significant deterioration optimism in PricewaterhouseCoopers annual global CEO, CEO survey, which is quite widely respected. This is a, a 23rd edition of this. Found only 27% of CEOs very confident about prospects for revenue growth in 2020. And that's the lowest level of this particular report uh, since 2009. Hmm, well, both sides can't be right. So, Mark, head mm. of next week's FOMC meeting, and with a Fed that these days clearly pays a lot of attention to global economic developments, mm -hmm. how do you think the international economy might influence its thinking? Well, I think the phase one deal is, um, for right now, probably a big deal. Uh, it's going to be at least a big enough deal for them to wait and see um, if there will be a recovery in uh, global cross-border trade. Um, so I think that that is a positive uh, to begin the year. And um, however, the actual economic data that's been coming out uh, has been slowing. I, I, we can go back to the December employment report earlier. Um, and just this last uh, this last week, we had a JOLTS report. Job openings in that report were uh, very soft, uh, down uh, uh, to 6.8 million. Um, that's about a half million or more uh, from their peak. Uh, and that was more than a year ago. And the trend is definitely coming back. So there's fewer job openings, which means kind of m much less chance for uh, having um, any kind of wage growth, uh, which is already slumped. And that was the, actually the, one of the biggest factors of the December employment report. So um, I think that they're going to definitely be in the wait and see mode. And they're not going to be in any hurry to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to change their policy at all and uh, and like I say I think that um, the trade deal is uh, a, you know it will these constant drumbeat of the trade tensions is it possible now that after a couple of years of this that that that's going to fade and that may have a, 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 a might give a lift to uh, business sentiment yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think certainly right on this on this trade stuff because I think we. St I mean, this is just for phase one, isn't it? Where it is really just sort of scratching the surface. There's mm. still the whole of whatever phase two might look like to be sorted out. And I think there's already been talk that uh, it may be the case that China won't see all the tariffs being removed or you know whatever it may be. So it does seem as if trade is going to remain very much in in, in sort of central bank and investor focus as we, as we go during this year. But mm -hmm. I find it quite interesting that you now we've had all this it, from the way the stock market 
markets are trading. And there mm. appears to be just so much optimism there. Mm. And yet, when you get to some of these surveys, and there's, some, there's been some more bits and pieces coming out of the, you know, the Davos, the World Economic Forum, which kicked off this week. Some of the CEOs there, they, you know, they don't seem to be expressing the same kind of confidence about the business outlook from their side of the operations that you know the investors themselves are when you look mm-hmm. at you know, the current level of the stock market. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see who's right and who's wrong in this one. Well, that kind of reflects the economic data, you know, that we cover. It really hasn't shown much lift at all. But, no. you know, the uh, stock market is uh, are famous for, you know, anticipating the future, I guess, and they're maybe over-anticipating strength. But certainly if it's based on central bank policy, which has been very uh, accommodative, more and more accommodative, um, then uh, I think that that's the driving force behind the financial markets. But it'll take a little bit of a while to, to see um, – uh, the impact of these, uh, and that's another factor that'll keep the Fed on the on the sidelines as well, is waiting to see what the past their their three rate cuts uh, the second half of last year, waiting for that to start uh, gaining traction. Yeah, interesting fact of the day well, it was to me anyway. Looking at this this new IMF survey, apparently they reckon we had what the best part of seventy interest rate cuts by forty nine central banks in twenty nineteen, wow. wow. and they and they reckon the interesting figure here. And I think you know, clearly this is an IMF estimate, but they reckon global growth would have been half a percentage point less, but for that action. So again, it raises the question now. That's with all those interest rates having taken place, raising uh-huh. growth 05 percent above where it would have been otherwise. And we're all kind of admitting now that there ain't that much more room on the downside for interest rates to go. So if we were to have to try and you know boost the economy this year, where uh-huh. is the stimulus going to come from? Well, now what was the final number? Was it two point nine percent for global growth last year? Did you see uh, that number? I think it was two nine, something like that. Yeah. And so it would have been in, in the mid three uh, range had it not uh, been for the central bank, according to the IMF estimate. Yeah, yeah that's hmm. right. And what did and what did they see for twenty twenty? Twenty twenty at the as as of uh, what well yesterday when they released their, their new forecast it was uh, what three point three percent in twenty twenty and three point four percent in twenty twenty one. So they, so they do see it coming back up then? They do, although, of course, historically speaking, those kind of rates are nothing to write home about. And no. uh, they also talk about a lot of this really coming out of what they expect to be happening in the emerging markets, where they're looking for you know, a general rebound there. Um, uh-huh. But also, um, when they talk about you know, the risks, and we, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, it's rising geopolitical tensions, which I think they work out as being the biggest threat to, you know, to growth actually starting to recover as we go forward. Uh-huh. Of course, in some of these emerging markets, um, obviously, we put the lights over, you know, injuring there, Hong Kong in there, you know, where these risks are, you know, are most apparent in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So it makes for plenty of volatility or should mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Lack, lack of volatility, well, that's going to be the ECB. And of course, we get, um, while we're talking about central banks, ECB meeting on Thursday. Well, to all intents and purposes, no change there in terms of interest rates and yeah. quantitative easing is pretty well a done deal. But it's going to be, and I'd say it's a bit of a bit of an outlier here, but I think it's worthwhile um, people just keep an eye on. As things currently stand, and indeed has been the case for some while now, that ECB still has what are calling it a downside risk uh, to its economic projections. So it's downside bias to its risk assessment. There has been, though, a number of comments coming out from ECB members really since, well, since the last meeting, what, six weeks or so ago now, you know, suggesting that the economic data coming out of Europe is looking a little bit better. 
Not great by any means, but at least the slowdown perhaps is coming to an end now. Uh -huh. If that is the case, you know, well, next stage could be, you know, could be a move higher. And bear in mind, of course, that uh, we know that there's a, at least a number of governing council members who aren't happy with the current level of interest rates. They didn't want to see the September um, cutting the deposit rate. They didn't mm. want to see quantitative easing being restarted. Uh -huh. So if they were to shift that bias from downside just to neutral, yeah. which is no great move, but it could be a way of placating the hawks. And at the same time, you know, without actually tightening policy, just sending out a kind of a confidence message to investors and financial markets that things are looking a little bit better. Uh -huh. It may be too early to make that kind of call, but I think it's something you know, well worthwhile keeping an eye on. Well, tell us how they, they make that call within the statement. Was that something that you will see immediately I at release time? I don't think, I suspect not. You'll probably um, only see it when we get to uh, Christine Lagarde's press conference when she actually oh. reads out the full thing and then we'll talk about you know, the economic risks are. Wow. So, you'll probably have to the conference. so the big market mover could be hidden in there. Wow, okay. Could, could well be, yeah. Okay. It's certainly, certainly something to keep an eye on, I think. Well, um, tell us about the, the data out of Germany, the sentiment data that we saw today. That seemed to, to fit into what you were talking about. A big spike higher, right? It is. I mean, this is the um, the survey from the ZEW guys. I mean, it's a private sector survey, and um, I suppose you might say, if you want to be negative about this thing, it's it's a survey of analysts. So you either believe them or you don't. Um, but they saw a fairly sharp improvement in. They take a, a gauge of current conditions and a measure of you know of expectations of analysts, and they both show significant improvements. And this is for the third or, or fourth month running, depending upon which particular measure you use. So. It does seem that you know the confidence numbers in Germany at least are starting to move a little bit higher, or at least the forecasters and the analysts are starting to think that well, you know, perhaps now fourth quarter ain't going to look good in Germany. We know that, but there's the chance perhaps that we're going to see the first quarter and the rest of this year starting to see some kind of improvement. But I think a lot of that is going to hinge upon what happens to the manufacturing sector. We know that as we talked about so many times in the past, German manufacturing is in deep recession at the moment we don't have the full fourth quarter numbers yet but it would take something of a small miracle i think to pull it out of recession by by, you know, by december of last year mm -hmm, um and i think you know, again it comes back to almost you know, you know this some the opening spiel about you know, what's going on with global trade and so on germany is very susceptible to swings in global trade and i think you know it's this phase one agreement between the us and china people are viewing that as potentially a platform for a, a more general improvement improvement in global export and import conditions which would disproportionately help germany were that not to happen of course then you know things could start getting quite nasty again so now, it's yeah, i'm sorry. sorry but can we um shift gears now to what might be the big story of the month and that's the bank of england meaning you know we'll uh, not looking past the ecb this week and maybe we can look past the fomc uh a week from wednesday but on thursday a week from thursday we're going to get that uh, bank of england statement and we had the labor market report uh today out of the UK. If you could ex help explain how to read that labor market report, it would be a big help for me. Right. Okay. Well, let's just put the, the labor market report in context first, because you mentioned the Bank of England, which for you know for many a month now has really just been a, a tiny dot on investor radars because they've been so constrained by Brexit uncertainty and everything else. So, you know, if everyone knew that the bank wouldn't do anything with interest rates. All of a sudden, um, pr just putting the labor market report on one side at the moment, we've had a string of really pretty terrible numbers coming out of the UK. So we saw um, a big decline 
unexpected decline in retail sales in December. These are in volumes. It was down 0.6% on the month. And that's the fourth decline in the last five months. Um, we saw a, a contraction in November GDP, which certainly wasn't expected. Um, and it's shaping up now as if there's a, you know, a real chance we could actually see a contraction in total GDP for the fourth quarter itself. And just to rub salt into the wound for the Bank of England, uh, the December inflation report, that put headline inflation, so the annual change in the CPI, at just 1.3%. Uh, so that's what, 0.7 percentage points below its 2% medium term target. And that's its lowest reading since November 2017. And at least as important, the core rate, which strips out the usual volatile elements, well, that, that's just 1.5%. And that's been sub 2% now since August 2018. So the bottom line is that if we go back, what, about a month or so, markets attached about a, a 5% chance, if that, of a cut in interest rates at next week's Bank of England meeting. As a result of these numbers, and as of yesterday, that probability was up to about 70 to 75%. So from 5% to 75%? Yeah, literally, it completely turned the corners from what the, you know, the futures markets are discounting. Now, going to your question, I'll finish the, the pre-ramble. Um, that probability has now come down again. Um, it's still setting just how much is, is hard to say at the moment, probably to around about 60%. And that reflects the fact that the UK labour market, despite the weakness it's been talking about, actually held up quite well in the, well, in the, the November-December report. It's a bit mixed for the UK. On some measures, like the claimant count, which measures the, you know, the actual claimant count itself in any particular month for December. And those, that, are people, those are people who are unemployed. Yeah, and these are actually so claim, claiming unemployment benefit, benefit. Now, these figures are being downgraded by the National Statistics Office, and they're not wholly reliable due to some changes in the series. But because they're more up to date than anything else we get, your markets tend, still tend to look at them quite closely. And they showed an increase of about 15,000, which is in line with the previous month and suggests that you know the market is weakening but not doing too much. However, the International Labour Office statistics, which are the ones which are comparable with what we see coming coming out the rest of the Eurozone, they showed on the employment side an increase of 208,000 in the three months to November. So this is lagging a month and it's measured over a quarterly period. But that is a big increase and it led to a record number of people in employment and a record number for the en employment rate itself. So in other words, you know, as ever, quite often with these things, you get conflicting views about what it means. But strict taken literally, it suggests that despite the slowdown in the real economy, the labour market from the employ from the pure employment figures is still doing very well. But adding the sort of just you know, fuel to the fire for those people who think there should be a rate cut. On the average earnings side, so for people who are used to looking at the US employment report and you know the, the wages side of that, average earnings in the UK, that's held steady at 3.2% and it dipped to 3.4% from 3.5% once we look at regular earnings, which excludes bonuses. Now, this compares with numbers knocking on 4% round about the middle of the year. And it was round about the middle of the year when markets were starting to think, well, perhaps the bank might have to tighten after Brexit, depends how Brexit comes about. But these figures suggest a bit like, you know, as we're seeing on your side, I suppose, uh, almost irrespective of how the real economy is doing, 
and bar large, I think the fourth quarter for UK, irrespective of today's numbers, is shaping up pretty poorly. Now, inflationary pressures continue to gradually dissipate. So I think for those people who wanted to see interest rates cut in December, and there are two MPC members who dissented at that time, it may well be the case that the balance of evidence at the moment, you know, is kind of going to push more people into that camp. Into the the easing camp. Now, what is going to be important, I think, and people should really be aware, aware of this, is that the Bank of England's central case call has been for a long time now that you know, once Brexit is sorted and their, their assumption on Brexit was that there would be a trade deal and crucially there would be some kind of subsequent bounce because of that once the election was out of the way to give you know, to lift consumer spending and business activity. They expected that to wipe out what is already quite a small um, growth gap, sorry, a, a output gap and put upside pressure on inflation. However, it seems from all the comments we've had coming out of the Bank of England over the last two to three weeks that they're no longer confident this bounce is going to come about. Um, they have regional agents which provide them with you know, internal data which we don't get to see. And it seems from their commentary that you know some of these reports simply aren't looking that good. And if we're not going to get this bounce, then all of a sudden you know the reasons for tightening go out the window. Mm. And because the current data we do have has been so poor, you know, are they going to come out and cut in? interest rates. So it does mean that we've got some hugely important numbers between now and next Thursday for the Bank of England. And um, particularly, are are you saying it's possible that they could cut rates next week? Yes, I am. I'm not totally convinced yet, but I, I personally, I'll say at the moment, there's at least a 40% chance of it. Don't they have to move? They're already tightening. Don't they have to have some kind of a transition to tell us that they're going to move to neutral? Well, or, you know? well no. I mean, effectively, the, this, the tightening came up, came as part of their central case scenario. <laughs> and although it's got to be said at the moment, their central case economic scenario regarding Brexit appears to be you know, appears to be coming true. The rest of their economic forecast look as if they were simply too optimistic. But now the problem is we talked about, you know, this, this the general election, the Brexit uncertainty and so on. They were looking for what markets now calling the Boris bounce, the Boris Johnson bounce, having won the election so clearly, et cetera, et cetera. But the figures we have at the moment in terms of the hard data don't really, you know, encapsulate that, you know, that time after the election, at least not enough of it to fully reflect it. Uh-huh. But what we will get this Friday is going to be this new composite flash PMI. For the UK, which just like we see for the Eurozone, it's only been going for what, two or three months now. Uh, markets are still getting used to it. But it's for flash index of you know, the, the uh, markets um, estimate effectively of you know, UK GDP. Uh-huh. So we'll get this out on Friday and it will really give us one of the first indications as to whether or not activity rates have responded to the general election and what will be now Brexit at the end of this month. Before then, we'll also get the Confederation of British Industry trend survey, which again will be for January. That's on Wednesday. And next week, we'll get the CBI's distributive trade survey. That will also be for January. And so, those, these are, so these are business surveys you're looking at. It's they not are. Be, it's not going to be definitive data. But I'm just looking at the consensus now for Friday's composite flash, and it looks... Um, uh, positive, uh, led by a small, uh, well, actually a significant uh, improvement in services from a little contraction to a little expansion, but still uh, contraction for manufacturing. Um, if it does come in those, uh, how do you how do you think uh, it, the markets would, would react? 
well, I think at the end of the day, I mean, we've got to go by what the consensus says. And if, if for the, the composite index, I mean, if it's if it's stronger than the composite index, we'll probably see the pound rally. If it's weaker, we're going to see the pound fall because it's going to increase expectations about a possible rate cut. But I mean, it's worthwhile saying that you know, when we get these flash PMI figures, uh-huh. the, the markets, to be honest, don't really have much of a feel for it. There's very little you can actually use to try and construct the data yourself. And it's these flash indices themselves which tend to be used more with a view to calling you know the hard data as and when they arrive and you know, a few weeks later which means that misses on the flash pmis can actually be quite wide and indeed often are well let's but, go uh, back to the ilo uh you had a two hundred thousand three month growth in yeah in in, in, in full in, in employment so that's yeah. 60 70, a month yeah and so that's that's quite high that is a very decent number and that's a definitive number and that's supposing until it gets revised. Yes, that's a hard number. And you can cut rates with, with into the teeth of that. Well, if you can cut, if, you can justify, I suppose, because if you look at the the. the the reason for um, the Bank of England talking about tightening was that the labour market is going to, you know, it's, it's getting tighter and tighter. The output gap will close. Wages are going to rise as a result. And that's going to, as we all know, well, should know, not necessarily works anymore. As wages go up, you expect inflation to rise at some point in the future as well. However, as today's numbers suggest and the last several months figures have suggest, it doesn't seem to matter too much what the labour market's doing at the moment. Wages growth is still slowing. So it seems that, you know, people coming into the labor force are being paid at the lower end of the spectrum. And so it's dragging down you know, average annual wages growth. And if wages are slowing and we've already got inflation so far below target now that it's starting to get embarrassing for the bank, uh-huh. you know, there's going to be certainly some members on that MPC. I'll, I mean, I'll guarantee at least two will vote for a cut next week. Um, we know that Haskell and Saunders, both who voted what twice now for a cut, they're guaranteed to vote again for it. And it's just a case of whether or not you know, the inflation numbers and the wages numbers are going to be enough for other people to think, well, look, just as some kind of insurance cut, we can do the same thing. Did the pound react today? Have you had a chance to look? The pound, yeah, the pound certainly came off initially on the back of it. Um, um, but since then, it's actually started to creep up a little bit because we've seen a slightly slightly weaker euro. This is looking at sterling euro here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I think it's interesting looking at, you know, from the way that from the way the futures markets are trading now. It's, it's going to be interesting next Thursday from being a month ago. Think, well, what can I write about the Bank of England meeting? Because there's nothing more to say. Uh-huh. Now it's going to be, as you said, it's going to be a major focal point for next week now because it's a central bank, which could well change, having you know, seemingly be a no chance of that whatsoever for a long while. And so your key for this week is Friday's um, PMI composite flash out of the UK. It's going to come out at 9.30 your time? That's 9.30 London time. And yeah. let me just see the consensus is what, 50.2 and and the month ago was 48.5. So something, you know, that's disappointing you, could have an impact, an immediate impact on, on expectations. For the, I think so. If it comes in below 50, then, you know, clearly, you know, by definition, we're sort of talking contraction territory. Well, there, that's a big jump that they're really expecting. Usually, you know, PMIs, they move very slowly. It uh, is, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it may well be, you know, markets were taking the Bank of England, its original world, and think, well, the bank expected a bounce, you know, the Boris bounce to be to be realized, so we'll uh, go along with it. But uh, it may be that perhaps, you know, that's wrong and we could see a big undershoot. So the forecasters, I see, okay, so they're incorporating the, um, the Bank of England's. I, I guess so, I guess so, yeah. But the bank itself seems to be backing away from that. 
So, interesting times for the Bank of England. Um, just out of interest, maybe even more interesting, of course, this will be Mark Carney's last BOE meeting, or MPC meeting, I should say, as governor of the bank, since he will be off in a new role um, as of the beginning of next month. Okay, well, we've been talking for a long time. So let's just wrap this up very quickly on the central bank side. Bank of Japan earlier today announced no change to its stance. So it's still trying to control the yield curve. So the target for the overnight rate remains at minus 0.1%. And it's still looking to keep 10-year JGB yields around about the 0% mark. Uh, bank of Canada, they will be announcing this Wednesday, so day before uh, the ECB. Markets there not looking for any change in interest rates. Um, not so long ago, there was talk that well look the boc is going to have to cut because it's got to keep up with all the other central banks but by and large the economy has been doing better than many others um and certainly as far as the governor's concerned he seems to think there's not a lot of a uh, output gap left there um and even though manufacturing and investment aren't doing too well uh the, cons the new consumer survey which the bank of canada introduced i think it was last week suggests that by and large consumers are still holding up pretty well so no change out the bank of canada Okay, um, we done. I think we probably ought to be, shouldn't we? For yeah. people start nodding off. That was a um, lot. That was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> uh, we'll try to keep it short for next time. <laughs> so then, that is it then um, for now. But um, remember, Econoday's global economic calendar will keep you up to date with the all-important goings on until we reconvene next week. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening, as always, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>